what uh, I want to talk about today is in John chapter 10. And so if you have your Bible and you want to turn over there, I'm going to be in John chapter 10 or look it up on your iPad or on your phone. That's where we're going to be today. Wow, I love John chapter 10. I was just, uh, I don't know, I just heard that word this week. Uh, really, I heard about how that uh, the thief comes to steal, kill, uh, and destroy, but he said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly, over the top. And I was just hearing this word this week in my spirit, and I'm not there, I just want to give you this little thought, but in case you tune out and you don't hear me later, just hear this one part. God, he never does anything halfway. He's not a halfway kind of God. He's over the top, blows everything out of the room. I mean, when he does something, it's miraculous. And, uh, you know, just like when he Jesus went in and the girl was dead and they were like, you don't trouble, don't go in there, she's dead. And she, oh, she's not dead, she's only asleep. You know, and then just a word. He tells the parents, just believe, just believe, just have faith. It's going to be okay. And even the power of death, he just turns the whole thing around. He's, tra he's transformational and that, that's who he is. He's over the top and he wants to be over the top, generous and exuberant with us in the way that he treat, you know, he just wants to give and give and give us, give to us uh, in ways that, that we can't even imagine. But again, we have to see him that way. We have to understand who he is. And instead of being just beat up by the enemy, being stole from and, and having places in our life killed and our dreams killed and all these things, we need to focus on our God. We need to engage with our God and recognize God has already defeated our enemy. He is nothing in comparison to our God. And he's the one I'm going to focus on and recognize. He's the one who's going to give me life. And he's the one who's going to give me power over the enemy who will be under my feet. So I don't have to be beat up by the enemy. And I don't have to be constantly fighting with the enemy my whole life. I can recognize that God's for me. Anyway, let's just go back to John chapter 10 verse 1. And let's, this is all talking about the good shepherd. And I love this whole passage here. And so, Anyway, John chapter 10, verse 1, he says, I tell you the truth. Wow, did Jesus have to say that? I tell you the truth. Like Jesus is going to tell us a lot. But anyway, he was trying to emphasize, this is the truth, and I want you to listen to what I'm about to say. I tell you the truth that anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate of the sheep uh, uh, yeah, is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. This is the true shepherd. The gatekeeper opens the gate for the true shepherd. And the sheep recognize his voice. And they come, and they come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And after he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them. And they follow him because they know his voice. You know that word know is... Uh, I think it's Janasco or something, that the Greek word. And it means know that you know that you know that you know. You know, some things you just know. I know this. I know it to be certain as I'm standing here. I know it. That's that word. He said, his sheep know. Know that they know. I know his voice. That's what he wants for us. He wants us to know his voice so that we don't have any doubt. Is that me? Is that God? Is that me? Is that God? No. He wants you, he wants you to know his voice. And the only way we know his voice is that we listen. We learn to listen to him. We learn to validate that voice and say, you know, I'm going to take a step of faith, believing 
that this is the voice of God. And then when we find out, yes, in fact, it was his voice. Yes, that I was right on target. And then we just put that back in our memory and say, that is the voice of God. And then pretty soon we don't have to even debate anymore. We immediately know, wow, that's God. That's God's voice. He's leading me. Anyway, wow, it's hard not to just preach on this right as soon as I say it because it just, I feel full of it today, full of it, full of this. Uh, they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger, but they'll run from him because they don't know his voice. I want to just go ahead and read through this because I just want you to get it inside of you before you hear any more. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration, they didn't understand what he meant. So he explained it again to them because it's the truth. He says, I'm going to tell you the truth again. I'm going to repeat myself because you know what, God, he wants us to get it. He wants us to understand his truth and he wants us to understand his will. And he doesn't mind saying it over and over if necessary. He says, I tell you the truth. I'm the gate. For the sheep, all who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, and notice how many times he says, I am. I am the gate. Those who, came, or those who come in through me instead of over the wall that will be saved, they will come and go freely and they will find good pastures. The thieves, the thieves' purpose is to steal and kill and destroy, but my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. He continues, I am the good shepherd. Remember what Moses, he said, well, who, who am I going to save? I mean, God's told him to go and deliver Israel out of Egypt. And he's just, he says, well, who am I going to, who shall I save is sending me? And he said, tell him, I am. I am that I am. I am what you need. I am who you need. I am the source of every part of what you need in your being. In other words, there's not anything else that needs to be said. I am. Whatever you need, he's I am. You need a deliverer? I am. You need a savior? I am. You need joy? I am. You need provision? I am. I have your provision. I have your joy. I have your peace. I'll set you free. I'll be the one to deliver you. Just look to the I am. And he keeps saying this over and over because it's a picture of even before creation, before there was creation, before there was anything, he was always here. Uh, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for his sheep. That hired hand, <laughs> it's funny because I'm sorry Buzz stepped out of the room to answer the phone because he comes in my office and he says, hey, it, it, uh, this is John. He's my hired hand. He calls him that. He says, he's my, he's my hired hand. It's an old term people used to use all the time. My, actually, he didn't say hired. He says my hand. That's what he says. He said, he's my hand. And I know immediately, I know what that means because I, I guess I'm old. Because that's what people used to say. You know, that's our hand. Our hand. We got a hand. And uh, that's what they are. They help. They're a helper. They work for me. They're my hired hand. Listen to, and you don't have to be this way as a hired hand, but listen to if you're trying to be, a, if you're not being a good shepherd, this is what it says. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him. And he, and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. A hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money. He doesn't really care about the sheep. I am not a hired hand. I am the good shepherd. Wow, do you hear this? It's so strong. He says, I'm not a hired hand. He says, I'm invested. I'm committed. I'm, I'm not held back anything. 
I've given my all my life. You know, that's what he says. I lay my life, sacrifice my life for the sheep. Uh, uh, he says, I'm not doing this for the money. He says, I'm doing it because I love the sheep. And when the wolf comes, he says, I'm not going to run. I'm going to stand up. He says, I did stand up, and I defeated the wolf. I did stand up and defeated the devourer. And, you know, we've all been there. We've worked for someone. Okay, we don't care for that business like the owner does. We just don't. I mean, even if we're good employees, still, we don't care for it like the owner does. The owner, man, it's his money. It's He's invested in it. Maybe it's his passion. Maybe it's not even about the money. I know lots of people who have businesses today, they don't need the money. It's, they're not doing it for the money. They're doing it to provide jobs for people. The guy I work for right now, he's this agency that I uh, work for is like $15 million. He could sell it tomorrow. Why, why, go, why put yourself through all of this, having all these employees? He has almost 50 employees that he provides for. He provides for us by keeping this business. He's not doing it for the money because he's already got the money. He could just sell it. Matter of fact, agencies right now sell for uh, more than one times whatever the value is. That sometimes Some of them will sell for three or four times the value. People want to buy it. So he's wealthy. He could just walk away and be wealthy. But this guy's not doing it for the money. He's doing it for something else. He's got a desire because it's his business, and he apparently wants to provide an income for people and take care of uh, churches and all that. See the difference in an owner? And, you know, the hired hand, we, I care about the business, but I don't care about it like, like he does. I'm not going to be as passionate about it as he is. Anyway, I, I hope you can see the difference there. That's why we need to be careful and not let just, we need to make sure the right shepherd is leading our life. Because the enemy, if you buy into what he's selling, he's going to leave you high and dry. He's going to leave you with nothing. He's going to leave you decrepit, broken down. Uh, and in a lot of ways, he's going to just leave you ugly. He's going to take away all the good and the life from you and leave you with nothing. Because he doesn't care about you. You know why? Because he's just a hard hand. He doesn't care about us. He doesn't care about people. He doesn't care about the sheep. And, you know, again, this is, these are false shepherds that we're talking about. And Jesus is talking. I know I'm, I'm getting that a little bit confused. But we're talking about false shepherds here. People that you allow to speak into your life. You need to be careful who they are. And make sure they've got the heart of the Father that's speaking into you. Uh, again, he says, I am, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me just as my father knows me, and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too, and they are not in the sheepfold. I must bring them also. And I believe he's talking about the, you and I. I believe he's talking about the Gentiles. He was right here, he's talking about the Jewish people. But I believe he was saying, he was already prophesying. I have some other sheep. They're in a different sheepfold. They're not here with you now. And one day, you're going to struggle, but we're going to put you all together. And that's what he says here. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock with one shepherd. And what did Paul say later? There's no Jew. There's no Gentile. Slave, furry. We're all together. He's saying we're one. And we are one in Christ. We have different churches meeting all over this place, but we are one in Christ. We are one in what we just sang that earlier. I love that the song Anna picked out. I believe in God the Father. Help me. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in the resurrected Holy Spirit giving us new life. I believe in 
crucifixion. I believe that he conquered death. I believe in the resurrection back again. And we believe that, don't we? That he's coming back again. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me. And he's going to quicken my mortal body one day. I'm going to come up. I'm going to wake up dead. Whoa, I must have died. Wow, I'm to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. You know, as scary as death is, it's a little scary. It's mysterious. But the Bible's trying, God's trying to say, don't be afraid. Because you will wake up with me. You'll wake up in my presence. You'll pass in a moment from this life to being with me. To be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. To those who are in his sheepfold. To those who are in his sheepfold. Who that are following the true shepherd. Anyway, Jesus is a picture of the shepherd. And we're a picture of the sheep. And it's all through the Bible. God uses this picture all through. Uh, in the Old Testament, leaders were known as shepherds. And the reason that God used this picture is because it was so common in the Eastern, with Eastern people. There was flocks everywhere. Sheep were everywhere. Don't you love to go and, and like if you go to the county fair or whatever, uh, you just want to go up and like rub on a sheep, you know, like you feel that... Uh, fur I guess I don't know. it's wool there it is wool it's kind of coarse but uh I love just uh I love goats too they're they're fun you know just messing with the goat and rubbing on his head and his ears if he'll let you uh pigs well I don't care so much about pigs and cows I'm a little nervous about those but I just like uh touching them and the the hair is coarse but you know this is something that uh, if you lived in the middle, if you lived in that Middle Eastern area, you would have just grown up with sheep and cows. And matter of fact, I was reading a little bit of research. It said every family had at least a couple of sheep, uh, made them wool, and you know they'd have a cow. And just every Jewish family had some animals around that they raised. And then, of course, some of them had flocks. Some of them had flocks, and that was another picture of what's happening here. You'd have uh, there'd be like a whole group of people that lived in an area. And, like, there'd be someone kind of like, uh, what do you call that place that we live? We have, like, a covenant, and we call it something, a homeowner's association. Yeah, homeowner's. It's kind of like that. They had this homeowner's association, and, like, every day somebody different, one of the kids, would uh, come through. And uh, the this is a picture here of this, uh, let's see, uh, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him because he recognizes he's one of the ones that actually is a true shepherd and he would take all the different sheep out into the pasture to feed and to drink and then he would bring them all back to this community and each one would go back into its different place where you know where they lived anyway it was just I was trying to put all that in and it was a little hard for me but it wasn't hard for them they understood this whole illustration about the sheep know the voice of their shepherds they know the ones they trust them uh, and in the Old Testament, leaders were shepherds. Moses was called a shepherd. And Ezekiel and Daniel, they prophesied about false shepherds and talked all about it. But David prophesied about the good shepherd. And what psalms was that that David prophesied about the good shepherd, the most obvious psalm? The 23rd, 23rd psalm. And I, I love the 23rd psalm. You know, they read it at every funeral, but uh, I just want to read it today. But it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. This is We're talking about the good shepherd here. This is an affirming message today. I hope you're being affirmed. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. 
He lets me rest in green meadows and he leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. And even when I walk through the darkest valleys, I'll not be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of mine enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows. Anybody overflowing with blessings? Everybody, raise your hand if you're overflowing blessings. You ought to be. Everybody in here, you know, it's true that if we have change in our pocket, if we are fat, (laughs) we have extra weight, it's true that we are the richest in the world. We're in like the top 95% of the wealthiest people in the whole world. So don't picture yourself as being poor. Picture yourself as rich because we are. Uh, uh, you know, My cup overflows with blessings. And surely your goodness and your unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. Aren't you glad that God is going to pursue you all your days? He's in pursuit of you. The fact that you're here, it just shows that he's got your number and he is in pursuit of you. Whether you're even pursuing him, he says, I'm going to pursue you. If you get off into some crack or crevice and get away from the flock, what is, what is that picture? David shows later, he says, he's going to come looking for you. He's going to find you and bring you back into the fold, wrap you around. That's that nurturing. This is the nurturing. He's going to wrap you around his head and carry you, hold your legs here. He's going to carry you in, and he's going to anoint your head with oil, and he's going to bandage up your wounds because, again, he's the good Samaritan. He's the true shepherd. He cares about the sheep. He cares about every one of his sheep, and he's not willing that one would perish. He's willing to seek and save the lost. Listen, this is the heart that God wants us to have. We are true shepherds on this earth. This is the heart that he wants us to have. He wants us to have the same heart that he has to seek and save those who are lost. Not judging them to hell. Not judging them to their misery saying you deserve this. It's just what you deserve because it's what you've done and you made this bed and you ought to just have to lie in it. That's not God's heart. God's heart. He's moved by compassion. He recognizes the mistakes that people make and the sins that they commit. He recognizes they've listened to the wrong shepherd and they've gone the wrong direction. But God's heart is to reach out to them in love even though they reject Even though many times they reject him and push him back and say, I don't want you and I don't want what you have and I don't want what you're trying to give me. But here's the heart of God. He just keeps on reaching out. And that should be our heart as well. To continue to reach out to those who are broken, to those who are struggling, to those who are are falling and trying to get back up. And not judging them and condemning them. But reaching out with all of our hands saying, let me help you up. Let me help you. Let me sustain you. Let me carry you. Let me bandage you. Let me anoint your head with oil. Let me pray for you. That is the heart of God, and that's the heart he wants us to have, not any other heart. I confess I don't have that heart. I I struggle to keep the heart of God in my life so that I'm moved that way by people that I encounter. But I'm, you know what, I'm hearing and I believe this message is for today and I believe God wants us to have this heart and I didn't even see that when I was putting these words down, but I see it now. 
just look at all this in this just one passage, Psalms 23. He lets me rest. He leads me. These are just the things that he does in this one passage. The good shepherd. He renews my strength. He guides me. He's close beside me. These are our declarations that we can make about our true shepherd. These are the things that we should be declaring about who our God is. He's beside me. He's leading me. He's protecting me. He prepares feasts for me. When I would think, wow, the enemy's surrounding me. I'm in trouble. But he opens my eyes to see that greater is he that's in me than he that's all surrounding me. And then he prepares a feast for me just to sit there and eat in peace. That everything's going to be okay. I don't have to even be struggling. I can just rest. You know how when things are panicky, we don't even want to eat. We're just panicking. We're worried. We're fearful. I have trouble being so fearful that I wouldn't eat. But I think it happens. I think it has happened occasionally. <laughs> I do remember being so depressed I couldn't eat. I was depressed. I was just downcast. And I didn't want to eat. And I remember trying to go eat like I was alone. And I went into one restaurant, sat down and ate. And I thought, I'll never do this again. It was humiliating and it was a hard thing. I just couldn't sit there by myself. There was people all around me, couples, people, families. They're all having fun, talking to each other, enjoying their lives. I said, I'd never do this again. I didn't. I'd drive through, go home, eat in solitude. I lived off banana and peanut butter sandwiches for months. It seemed an easy thing. And frozen lasagna. I also ate during that time. I was skinny when Anna married me. God just wants to he wants to comfort us he's telling us even in the midst of this huge thing listen I'm for you and everything's going to be okay I got you I haven't left you it might seem like things aren't that great like things aren't going well but he says I'm not forsaking you I am with you and I'm going to lead you and He's even going to, you know, through this, he says he protects me. He prepares a feast for me. He honors me. And then again, he pursues me. He just, wow. He pursues me. You know, the gatekeeper, the father, he opens the door to the true shepherd. You know, John uh, chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way. I'm the true. I'm the true gate. I'm the door. I'm the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. You know, there's all kinds of communication today. You know, there's a word for it. But anyway, everybody's got saying, well, there's lots of ways to God. Listen, the Bible says, and the Bible's the truth. This is the true word of God. And when Jesus said, I tell you the truth, it is the truth. He said, I am the way. I'm the only way. You know, but don't limit God. I, I struggle with this at times. I think, well, Jesus, and what about the people that never heard? And how are they going to hear without a you know, how are they going to hear without a preacher? And, you know, okay, well, I know I'm supposed to, my responsibility is to do what I can. In other words, I need to proclaim the, and be the light. But I can't judge all of that. I just know what he said. And I was thinking this morning as I was meditating just on this part about how he said, I am the only way. I am the truth and I am the life and no one's going to come to the Father except through me. As I was meditating on that, I thought, don't put God in a box as we so do and think, wow, if you don't come to a church, if you don't hear a gospel sermon, you can't make it because you won't know Jesus. 
And I don't doubt that it's true. You need to know Jesus. I believe it's the truth. I'm not denying that. But I also believe Jesus supernaturally appears to people because he's doing it. In these Muslim countries, uh, he's appearing to people in visions and dreams, telling them, I am the Messiah and I'm the one you should be worshiping, not Muhammad. And radical, I mean, there's the reason those Christians are being killed over there is because they're Christians. Because they found Christ somehow and it wasn't for missionaries. Because there wasn't any. At least I don't know of any in some of those countries. But yet there's Christians there. Okay, so don't limit who God is. Don't limit what he can do. Don't get all bogged down about, well, how is this going to work out? Okay, we way are trying to t- figure out too much about who, what God can do when God's ways are so much higher than our ways. I'm not saying we shouldn't delve into the scripture and try to understand him. But sometimes we have to go, you know what, this is just bigger than me. And i got to recognize that God's got a plan, and his desire is to seek and save the lost, and he's not willing that any should perish. And so he's not going to be the kind of God to say, well, they just born in the wrong place, and I just don't care about them. That's not, not who he is. I like this, and I'm just going to emphasize these points again. He, his sheep recognize voice, and he calls them by name. You know, and when I hear this, he leads them out. And once he gathers his flock, then he, he walks ahead of his flock. And it's real important to understand that. Here's the shepherd. He's got his staff, and he's got his rod. And once he gathers the sheep, you know, whatever he says, however he says it, to gather his sheep, once he gathers us, then he walks ahead of us with his staff. You know, and these are for our comfort and his rod of discipline and his rod to defeat the enemy. So, you know, when we get out of line, and we're off over here somewhere, we're heading toward trouble, it's appropriate for him to whoop, get back over in the right place, come on. You know, conk us a little bit, prod us. That's God's grace. We should recognize, man, God loves me so much. He's willing to engage in my life. And when I'm veering over, it's kind of like running over the strips, the ruffles, whatever those things are called. Rumble, there, rumble. I was thinking about some... Rumble. Anyway, rumble strips. You ever get over those things? How annoying they are. When Lanny first started to drive, I let her drive from Texarkana back to, uh, I was meeting her mama in Louisville. And uh, it was the first time she'd ever driven. I said, hey, you can drive. You can drive, you can drive back to, she was learning. She wasn't, didn't have her license yet. Well, you know, she, when people first start to drive, they have a tendency to lean right instead of left, which is not a bad thing. I'd rather them do that. <laughs> way away from the cars that are coming. But she started running. She'd run over these strips. Come back. <laughs> well, I started counting how many times she did it. I couldn't have it. It was a horrible thing to do. But I just kept, I go, that's one. <laughs> she said, Dad, stop. Anyway, 12 times, I think. <laughs> she hit the we laugh about it later. But I think I thank God for those things, actually, because there's times, you know, I'm, not that I'm texting or looking at something in my car that I shouldn't be, but those that sound alerts me that I veered a little too far to the right, and I wow I get back over. That's just God's grace. That's the way He is. He puts these alerts in our lives because He cares about us, and because He's saying, you know, come on back. You're veering off. You're getting off over here somewhere. What are you doing? Come on. Come on back. I want, I'm here for you. I'm trying to lead you. I got a path cleared. I'm clearing the path. 
He's taken out the enemy. He's taken out the assignments of the enemy and the entraps. What is it? What is it? Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me. He's out there delivering you from the evil one. With his rod and his staff, he's clearing the way. And so he just wants us to follow him. What we're talking about here is be gathered to him and then he walks out in front of us. What we're talking about here is a relationship. We're not talking about some kind of head knowledge about Jesus rose from the dead and you know he died and then he rose from the dead. Okay. Or, well, are you born again? Yeah, I'm born again. Are you saved? Yeah, I'm saved. But you don't know Jesus. You don't have a relationship with him. Anybody can say they're saved. Anybody can come into a church and sit down on Sundays. And then walk out the door and live just like the devil all week. And then come back next Sunday. It's not much different than saying, Father, I've sinned. You know, and confessing. And feeling good about myself because, well, I made it to church. Well, it takes, God's wanting more than that. That's another reason why we shouldn't condemn people who choose not to go to church. We're not here to condemn them. God wants a relationship. And they might have a relationship with God that we don't even know about. And here we are judging them because they're not here or because they don't go. I mean, sure, we want people and we encourage them. I believe you can learn and, you know, I think God's word can be put in your heart in different ways by different speakers and by the music. And I think that's why God said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. We need this relationship. We need family. We need people to encourage us, to help us, sustain us. And then not only do we need them to do that to us, we need to do it to others. And church, community, gives us an opportunity to get to know different people, be with different people from different, different lifestyles and different environments. So it's just a good thing. Church is good for the most part. I mean, there's downside to everything. There's a downside to your job. If you don't totally like your boss, you won't totally like the pastor. I mean, come on. It's just the way life is. It's not going to be perfect. Every time I go to, I used to go to McDonald's. I don't go to McDonald's anymore after I saw that burger that didn't deteriorate. But uh, every time I go, even to other places, you know, I'm not served the same way every time. And sometimes the service is great. Maybe many times it's great. But sometimes I'll go, that wasn't too good. I don't quit going. Not if I really like the food. I'll go back. Because I know everything's not perfect. Church is not going to be perfect because we're not perfect. But what we are is committed to the one who called this institution into order. We're committed to him. He's the one who said it'll work. He's the one who said well, we should not forsake it. So let's don't. And, when we, and I, I believe that there's been times in my life it sustained me. It was the only thing that I had that seemed to be real at that moment. Um. Anyway, uh, this is talking about relationship. It says that you won't follow the voice of a stranger. Instead, you'll run from that voice. Man, this is, and this is about not just relationship, but this is about maturity. It's about growing in Christ and recognizing, I don't wanna, I'm, I'm going to recognize the voice of a stranger that's trying to speak in my life, and I'm going I'm to recognize it, and I'm going to run from it. Sometimes we flee. We have to flee fornication. We flee it. We run from it. That's kind of what this is talking about. Run from it. In Ephesians 14 it says, Then as we mature, we'll no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every new wind of doctrine that comes through. We won't, we won't be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Who does that sound like? 
Sounds like the devil. That's what he did with Jesus. He had a little bit of truth, a little bit of lie. You know, he says the Bible, you know, he would say, thus saith the Lord. It says this. But Jesus knew that he knew the word better. So he understood you're taking a little bit of truth and you're contaminating it with a lie. So what is that saying to us? Wow, I need to know the truth. I need to be in love with the truth. Jesus, I'm in love with him. And he, what did he say? I am the word. So we ought to be in love with the word. And we ought to be putting this word in us. That's why we have the Bible ring that we've given you. Encouraging you to read the word every week for yourself. But we do. And, and it also keeps the pastor honest. It keeps the speaker honest. You know, you're, you have responsibility to know the truth for yourself. Because this speaker might share something that's not quite true. And what we see, we see a picture of this in the Old Testament. The priest, there was things the priest was supposed to do when you brought the lamb to be sacrificed or bull or goat or whatever it was. You brought it up to be sacrificed and you would put your hand on it. He'd put his hand on it. And there were things you were supposed to do and there was things he was supposed to do. And you know what he was supposed to do and he knew what you were supposed to do. And that's the picture, still the picture today. So we need to understand what everybody's supposed to do. So when I hear something, and it doesn't sound quite true, doesn't mean it's not true, Just but initially I'm like, wow, something's not right there. Okay, I would search that out. I need to search that out and say, is that the truth? Is that the voice of the Father? Is that the voice of the Good Shepherd that's speaking to me? Or is there error there? Or is there, you know how it is. You hear something, you go, hmm, that's, that just doesn't seem to ring quite true. It, you know, it's kind of like something that's not quite on pitch. You have, if you have an ear to hear, you go, eh, eh. You're trying to get them to go up a little because they're just singing a little flat. Doesn't sound quite right. Okay. Uh, so it's like that. And again, I'm not talking about, wow, ex explosive like era here. I'm just talking about even in the simple things and simple teachings, just like all the things I'm saying today, could there be something here that might not be quite true to you? You might go, eh, I don't know if I got that. Okay, well, it doesn't mean it's not true, but it's your responsibility to make sure you know the truth. Okay? Uh, anyway, it goes on to say that uh, we won't be carried about, blown about by every new wind of teaching. We'll not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever. It sounds like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the body of the church. So again, he just keeps explaining this over and over. He says, I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. Those who come through me will be saved. You'll find good pastures. Let me just say to show you this picture real quick. In Psalms 23, if you've ever read, uh, the, I don't remember the guy's first name. His last name's Keller. And he wrote a book about Psalms 23. And he was a shepherd. So he wrote that from his experiences of being a shepherd. And he said that sheep, the pictures of, People, you and I, we are creatures of habit. We'll do the same thing over and over and over and over, and we like it. <laughs> Even when really it's not that good. But we just keep doing it because we're creatures of habit. And the older we get, wow, the harder it is. I just went to Dallas this weekend. I've been to Dallas twice uh, in, in, two, in three weeks. And I have to go downtown Dallas. And I have to get in the parking garage and scan. And it, it's, it's just a lot. I just don't like it. I don't like fooling with it. I don't like being there. I don't like the traffic. I don't like fighting with people just for a spot. And it's stressful to me, even like, okay, getting there, finding the place, getting in the garage, 
having the thing to get out, waiting in the long line to get out, getting back in Dallas traffic, trying to get out of there. I'm so glad when I get home. You know, that's just a sign I'm old. <laughs> it's a sign I like home and being around home, and I don't like all this. I'm not used to it, and I don't like it. But it's good for me. Hello. It's good for us to be stretched. It's good for us to do something new. It's good for us to, because Jesus is going to lead us in these places from time to time. And he's helping us. He's not doing it for a bad thing. He's stretching us a little because he wants us to understand wherever he leads, you know what I need to declare? I will follow. I will follow. I trust you. I trust you that you're going to bring me back. You're going to bring me to a green pasture. And this is the deal. This is what Philip, Philip Keller, this is his name, Psalms 23. Philip Keller said, sheep can't, they won't mature, they won't get fat, you know, and they need to get their wool to grow and all that, be healthy. They won't ever get there if they're not in green, lush pastures. Pastures, And sheep are creatures of habit. He said, once they get a path to a certain place, he said, they have a tendency to go down the same path every day, even if there's nothing there to eat. They'll just keep going back to the same place. They'll just keep nubbing on the roots and whatever's left ground there's nothing there they just keep once they get a path they just keep going the same way and it's up to the shepherd to go out and find new pastures it's up to him to go find new fields that are lush so see we have to be willing to go new places that's why I was trying to say earlier in our worship you have to be willing to do something different you have to be willing to you know step out of your seat and even if you just step away from your seat Wow, a huge thing. You just got away from your seat. You might think, wow, somebody's going to think I'm going to do something. Well, maybe you will do something, but even just stepping away from your seat's huge. You know, we clap our hands. We raise our hands. Uh, you know, we might jump a little bit. We might just walk around or grab a flag or grab this thing and turn it upside down and back and forth. All those things are just, you're just engaging in what's going on. And you're not buying into the thing that says worship is about standing in one place and standing still and and that's not really what worship God's created us to move around and and not be afraid to express ourselves and so sometimes he's trying to lead us to a new field to eat something good especially if you're standing there going well it's not as good as it used to be that's because you're eating the same grass you've been eating and there's nothing there you've not changed He's trying to lead you, but you're not willing to go. So you're, we grow when we, have, when we have this new field that we can eat this grass. And he says, and he says, sheep will not, uh, they won't develop properly. They won't have babies and stuff if they're afraid. So it's important that they trust the shepherd. He's standing there. He's the gate. He's the guard. They trust the shepherd, and that's the and sheep can't get down and get back up very fast. Wow, have you seen me lately? I told Anna, I said the other day, I said, you know, my whole life's exercise should just be getting down and getting back up. I could, if I just did that every day ten times, I think that'd be pretty good exercise. It used to not be hard to get down and get back up. And then sometimes you get up and you have to go, whoa, something's happening. <laughs> the world is spinning. Okay, I know some of you don't have that issue. All I'm trying to say is sheep, they can't, they don't have, and sheep's the only created animal. Think about it, they're the only ones that they can't defend themselves. They don't smell, 
They don't have claws. They don't have poison. They don't have anything. They can't even run fast. Their legs will break. You ever seen their, their legs are skinny? They're top-heavy. <laughs> She's not trying to preach here. <laughs> They're a little top-heavy. They fall over. <laughs> don't look at anybody. Just look at the lights. Look at the lights. <laughs> so if the enemy comes, they can't run. They can't run very fast. And the, the ewes that have, uh, I'm not using the right terms, but anyway, they're babies. They'll miscarriage if they're afraid. If they get afraid and they try to move, they try to, uh, the wolf's here, they'll miscarriage their infant, you, whatever it is called. Do you know what's called? Stanley? <laughs> is it a you? Okay. Mama's the you, and what's the baby called? That's a good word. The lamb. Okay. So there's, that's just what he said in his book. And he said that's why the shepherd's so important. And that's why we need to recognize if I'm fearful, okay, how am I going to be healthy? I'm not going to eat healthy. I just told you guys when I was depressed and, wow, like I'm going to be alone and I had all these fears and the enemy was just like, well, it's your fault and you did it and you screwed up. It's all your fault. And, yeah, you're going to be alone and people talking about you. You know, that condemnation that the enemy brings. He wants you to be depressed. Okay, you're not healthy. You don't eat healthy. You don't see life. You don't see people healthy. There wasn't people talking about me. That's just what I thought. I wanted to be alone. I didn't want people bothering me. I just want to sit on the pew, leave me alone. Don't encourage me. Don't talk to me. Don't even sit by me. It was embarrassing. I was embarrassed. Here's the father. He's trying to call me. He's trying to lead me. He's trying to say, listen, Terry, it's going to be okay. I got you. Just follow me. Follow me into this green pasture. Follow me into this green pasture. This green pasture right here. <laughs> the green pasture with blue hair. There it is. It's out there. Blue like water. <laughs> what a blessing. In the job, I got this James Green and Associates. It's green. It's green. Green pasture. Do you hear what God can do? He can do this. Green like more money than you've ever made before in your life. It's green. It's true. Made more money there than I've ever made before. Working anywhere. That's who God is. God takes you from this destitute place of eating the nubs or nothing to eat and you're drinking the same old water, which is, uh, again, dirty water. You, that's what sheep do. They keep drinking the same water, eating the same stuff, just creatures of habit. And yet, finally, the voice of the shepherd, come on, we're not staying here. We're going someplace. I found someplace new. And he's leading us. Once he gathers us, he leads us. He might have to prod a few of us. Come on, come on. He leads us to this new place. And we complain, and we whine, and we go, I don't want to go there, and I don't like the parking garages, and I don't like the traffic, and I don't like that. But then here I am in this lush place. And you know, it wasn't so bad. I just swiped my car, and I got right out of that parking garage. And the, my boss let me go early, so the traffic wasn't even bad. I was worried about it. I got right on the thing, and I just got out of there. There wasn't even any wrecks. I didn't get hung up for hours. I just came right home. You know, what does it say? 90% of what you worry about never happens. And so why waste your time with all the worry? Because it never occurs. You just wasted your time. That 
God, he's got us. He's leading us to new places if we'll follow him, if we'll tune in on his voice, and if we'll trust him that he's got our best interests at heart. So even if it's a place that's not quite comfortable, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to go. He's taking you to a new place. He's taking you to a place of richness and health, a place of health, a place where you can produce fruit, a promised land kind of place. That's where he's taking you. And he's already sacrificed his life for you. He, he's earned the right to lead. He's earned the right. So let's stop doubting him. Let's stop questioning his authority to lead us. Instead, let's buy in and recognize you are my God. And I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to listen. I'm going to learn your voice. And when you say, Terry, come, I'm going to come immediately. Not like my kids for fear. If you don't come, you're going to get something. You know, I trained my kids. When I say come, you better come. Because, you know, it's important. Like they run out in traffic or we're at Walmart. If I say stop, you stop immediately. You know, I trained them like at Walmart. And my kids, when they got out the door, they stood by the car until I could get around to them. They didn't, you know, they knew not to move. I said, you'll get run over. I don't want you to get run over. So stand still till I get there. Okay, that was probably more out of fear. But God doesn't want us to walk out of fear. He wants us to understand. He's trying to lead us to a new place, a healthy place, a dream place, a place that has richness for us and joy and peace. We can rest. We can be fruitful. We can be, again, healthy. We can be loved and loved. That's what God has for us. Because why? Because he's the good shepherd. He's not a hireling. He's not a thief. He's not going to run when the wolf comes. He's the good shepherd. Amen. Wow, let's stand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Let's just declare who he is. You are the good shepherd of my life, Jesus. You are the good shepherd. You're not a hireling. You're not a hireling. You're not a thief. You're not a robber. You're not trying to steal from me. You're not a hired hand. You are the one who owns the business. You care about all that we are and who we are. Lord, you're trying to lead us to a new place, to a good place, a lush place with a new food to eat. You're trying to give us new truth to understand about who you are and about what you have for us. Lord, we just want to set you free and put, get you out of the box that we got you in and say, Lord, God, lead us, lead us in ways that we can't even begin to imagine. Show us new truth and new understanding of who the God is that we serve every day. And we just declare you, the Lord is my shepherd. Come on, say it. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord, say it, the Lord is my shepherd. Say, I have everything that I need. He leads me to green pastures. He leads me to peaceful streams. Come on, say it. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through a dark valley, Come on, declare this. I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect me and comfort me. 
you even prepare a feast for me. When the enemies are all around me, you honor me by anointing my head with oil. Okay, say this loud. My cup overflows. Say it loud. My cup overflows with your blessings. Now here's the end. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Can somebody just get excited? Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Woo! Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you are a good shepherd. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this strong word today of encouragement inside of us to trust you, Lord. Oh, love you, Jesus. I love you today. Before we go, let's pray for David Dodds. He's sick today, and uh, this young man that was in a car wreck that Jacob's friend, he's still living. Let's pray for him. Jesus, right now, we just lift up David, and I ask your special touch for him, that you'll heal the cold, the sinuses, and all that stuff he's dealing with. We ask you for, da uh, for Jacob's friend that's uh, still in the hospital, and I just pray, Jesus, that you would 